1: Howdy, 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 everyone. And welcome to another edition of 101 with Jasper Cole. Thank you for joining us here on this Thursday night. I'm live in Palm Springs, California. And I want to give a big shout out to all of our listeners. Thank you guys for always tuning in. And if you don't tune in live, we know that you find us on iTunes, Spricker, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Uh, one of the wonderful apps that we're on. And um, please follow us on social media. There's uh, jaspercole.com that has a link to the show with our Twitter and Instagram, which is jaspercole says, S-A-Y-S. There's a Facebook page. And um, you can connect with us all over the place. We like to stay connected, as we say. Well, I want to say, you know, this is a very historical week Uh, Tonight is the last night of the Democratic convention. Um, I have the the trusted DVR all going. It actually started um, about 15 minutes ago. And just as we came on the air, uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom was just starting to speak about, you know, the climate change and the uh, uh, 11,000 dry lightning strikes that we had that have caused more wildfires, you know, poor Northern California. It just seems like, you know, all of California has to deal with fires, but Northern California just seems to get hit worst of all. So our prayers are going out to the firefighters and everyone living the horror of um, the fires. You know, it was just a year ago we had the, the big fires, well, the past two years up in Northern California. And then we had the fires, you know, in Malibu, which ravaged... Uh, That part of California. So, but it's been a great week in terms of the Democratic Convention. History was made with our very first black and Indian female vice president candidate, Kamala Harris. It's Kamala. Some people say Kamala, some say Kamala, but it's Kamala. Um, I don't think she cares what you call her, it's call, as long as you call her Miss Vice President. Um, and speaking of Miss Vice Presidents, at this time, without further ado, please welcome my Vice President, the one and only Ralph Cole <laughs> <Paul> Jr. <laughs> yes, everybody. Here she is.
2: A 20 20
1: 8-20,
2: So we have three twenties 20s in a row today. I just thought I'd bring that up, August 20th, 2020. Hello, Jasper. Hello, Planet Eartha.
1: And Ralph, what does that mean? Anything at all? Is there any numerical value, or did you just can you make up something quickly? Uh,
2: three 20s in a row means that anything bad in our society will be obliterated by night's end.
1: And it will be either you'll you'll spend $60 or find $60 uh, on the ground good. accredited to your credit card.
2: Exactly. And eight is a good luck number, um, meaning various things, all positive. So, yes, we're going to go with that. Let's, let's use that for today.
1: Well, eight inches can never – really, eight inches is good for anything, right? Eight That's inches, eight
2: centimeters – yeah, that's a good solid number and a good shoe size too.
1: I'm eight and a half. What's okay, Well, your of size? course,
2: well you're up, uh, eight and a half as well. We're the same size. You know, well we tend oh. to be above average in things. <laughs> oh. we, we we did a joint we
1: did a joint boomerang. Have we ever done a joint boomerang? That, that was great,
2: and that was totally organic. I love that. Well, listen. The first thing I want to say is, well, I was horrified as I was waiting in the virtual waiting room to see mm-hmm. that classic Facebook is going away soon. I was about what? to log in the face. Classic Facebook is going away soon. It says here we've made improvements to the new Facebook.com, and we're excited to have everyone experience the new look.
1: Okay. Whether so you whether you like it or not, goddamn it. Right. <laughs> There's no choice. It's just like we're we're changing get re, get get with it or get off
2: yeah exactly but um, you know uh one thing i wanted to bring up that is just an observation during my first pan, my first and hopefully last pandemic is seeing how
1: oh, wait you weren't you weren't here for the spanish flu no, oh, that I, was I, Ty, That was Jane Pittman. Sorry, yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, I missed that on that one. But uh, um, <clears throat> you know, we always uh, are seeing inventions and um, entrepreneurs, and but it's so visceral now seeing new inventions, new inventions being made to offset this virus. And mm-hmm. what I'm referring to today is I saw a commercial for or an ad for COVID. If this was on the news. COVID testing machines,
0: uh-huh. where
2: they they they're very robotic looking, and they were scanning people's hands, and then they were scanning the furniture and all the workplace area. It looked like some kind of ultraviolet light, but um, I don't I don't think they're in use yet. They're still in the experimental stages. But the point being, how look at how this new invention has just totally been created out of need you know and in my lifetime yes i've seen there have been lots of inventions since you and i've been alive but it's interesting to watch a society now we're really turning towards i mean you see how face masks started Mm -hmm. just becoming so popular and, and, and grandmothers and aunts were starting to make a little money making these masks and what have you. And then I saw an ad on Instagram today for this. It was really cool looking. The only problem I had with it is that there was no mask directly covering your nose but they're like Mm. eyeglasses they're clear eyeglasses and but it's they're it's all one piece but it's eyeglasses and the face mask so you put them on like eyeglasses and boom you're all covered up so i don't know if that would prevent droplets from coming in but it looked cool and you know here's a new innovative technological piece to
1: combat the virus well, and like you said too, this the pandemic. If it, it, there's one thing now we've we've gotten so used to cleaning and washing our hands and wearing the mask, I think it, going forward after there's a vaccine for this, it's just going to make us all so much more aware. I mean, I'm certainly not going to fall back on the old habits. I, I'm not going to not wash my hands anymore. You know, I think it's going to keep right. us healthier for everything: uh, stomach virus, uh, the flu. Uh, everything. So in a way, it's you know reframing, putting, uh, making lemonade out of lemons. I think we've learned to just be cleaner in general, and just exactly. you know remember how we used to laugh at Michael Jackson for wearing the mask, and in a lot mm-hmm. of Asian culture, you know, especially like in Hong Kong where the pollution is so bad, we, you know, we've always seen um them wearing the mask, and I'm thinking, nope, I I know for a fact that. For, from, from now to eternity, I will wear a mask anytime I fly, period. Anytime I'm oh. in a closed quarter, I'm wearing a mask. And this is long after there's a vaccine. because No, I understand
2: what you're saying. We now it's know different. that
1: all germs come through our nose and mouth, basically. Mm. I mean, it's, it's yeah. all about our hands. And going putting our hands on our face and our and just watch, I was even watching uh, the amazing Obama giving his brilliant speech two nights ago, or last night, sorry, um, how many times he he just unconsciously touched his nose
3: touched mm-hmm. his
1: face. you know people we I think we just used to do it all the time without realizing, mm-hmm. and now we, it's like when I see it happen, it jar it, it's kind of jarring. I
2: know. God, you, oh, I'm getting goose pimples listening to you. I was thinking the same thing. That happens
1: a lot with me. Yeah.
2: Right. Getting goose pimples (laughs) while you're speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's
1: just something I can't do anything about it. You know, wait
2: until this new cast gets a load of you. And I do mean a load. Okay. yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm. But, uh, you know, to your point, it's so funny because, you know, there's, the stories going around about the effect, which masks are the most effective. And Mm -hmm. today I, I did the candle blowing out test. And if you can have a candle right in front of your mask and you can, if you can blow through the mask and the candle stays lit, then your mask is fine. If you can blow out the candle, then the mask is not good. And those gators did not work even when they doubled up on the gators. and, Mm -hmm. So I was just there's another point of you know something that we're learning to do in society I'm finally to the point now I'm so much more cognizant of not touching my face or I'll be about to touch my face and go don't touch my face because uh-huh. I don't I think I think I might have told you <clears throat> when I go out because I only go out to the store So I'm always trying to let like at least five to ten days go by before I ever have to go out again. I always have to remind myself of all the rituals again. Mm -hmm. And when I'm out, and even as I'm driving in the car, and walking into the store, and mumbling to myself in the store, I'm saying, "Don't touch your face. Don't touch your face.
1: Don't touch your face." But you know, sometimes you know that happens. But you know the old adage: "It's like, don't say the word bitch. Don't say the word bitch." You know, sometimes it it causes us to. To do the opposite, so, like,
2: and then all of a sudden i 'll just put the whole palm of my hand just right, right. on my whole you're, face you're I'll, just I'll completely
1: like covering your your eye, and then the other thing we do is we rub our eyes a lot without realizing mm-hmm. you know, and that's exactly. another um cap. but I want to get back to this historical week of the convention because i mean again we're we're not political, but we're just current it's what's happening in the in the world right now, but it was so historical to see. Kamala Harris, of course, we've loved her forever in California, you know, but to see this beautiful, smart, uh, African American Indian lady, and when she told her, her story last night of her mom and her mom becoming a single mother and working and raising the kids, I don't know, I was, I I actually was tearing up before she ever started talking. I was texting my, my friend, our friend Erica, who's back mm-hmm. in Georgia, you know, who's a proud black woman. So this means so much even more to her but I wrote I said I'm crying and she hasn't said a word yet and Erica wrote back like I've been crying for the last <laughs> for the last hour and Dennis mm. as I were talking it reminds us so much the way we felt um in 2008 when Obama was first running for president mm. it was mm-hmm. I remember I remember the night he was nominated and then I remember the night he was elected we just there was just such a sense of like pride and oh my god we're we're doing so well and we're turning the corner. And, you know, I, am hoping that um, I'm hoping seeing so many of the Republicans who've turned their backs on Trump will be sort of a, a, an idea of what other people are going to do on November, come November 3rd. So just praying that, you know, that we, we turn this corner and we write this ship. So I'm just excited. I mean, it's seeing this whole virtual convention, I actually, I'll be honest with you, a lot of people have been saying the same thing. I've enjoyed not having the loud crowds and the audience, just being able to actually hear, focus on the candidate, look at their eyes, really listen to them, not being distracted by all the screaming people. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's kind of what we were talking about with acting right now with the whole uh, virtual Zoom auditions where it's just it's just our face in the camera. And the, mm-hmm. that, that's you know most good acting comes from the eyes and the face anyway, so um it's been i don't miss it i, it's like, I don't miss <laughs> thank the crowd. God it
2: comes from thank God it comes from the eyes since we have to wear a mask while we're auditioning <laughs> I know
1: well, that's the one time we can take it off is during right. uh, during the audition, like you know, but otherwise it's like I mean, I just got word today, you know a good friend of mine she's shooting a film a movie, a lifetime t v movie and they were 12 days in and they had to shut down for three days because the gaffer tested positive on, on the set. The thing I like about all this is hearing that they're on top of it. They're doing the testing. The moment someone was positive, they shut it down, you know, and, uh, but she said, it's very, as each day has gone on, it's gotten more stressful for her. Um, Mm -hmm. The first few days, it was like, Oh, I'm so happy to be back. This is not that bad. And then each day, it's gotten more stressful, more nerve wracking. Um, she feels like people are making mistakes. You know, mm. people, are, people are falling back into the old production traps. You know, of like mm-hmm. hurry up, we got to go. You know, kind of, kind oh, of wow. um, not wanting to listen to the COVID compliance person. You know. Oh. It, which is another reason why you got to have really strong personalities who are in charge of these these uh, safety guidelines on the set. Because otherwise, oh, they'll, no. get, they'll get pushed around. And I'm telling, you know, she was saying, telling all actors, we have to really be the ones to be like, fuck you and fuck oh. this. I'm oh, not going goodness. to be, you know, you're not going to push me around and I'm following the rules. So, God, you know... You know this, Go ahead. this
2: reminded me of what it did. I'm cutting you off. Um, it's something I sometimes do. Um, remember uh. when. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God. Oh my oh God. Oh
2: God. Don't even start. <laughs> don't start. Uh, Go the, ahead.
1: You know, we can't talk about Because you know that.
2: I'll launch right. At, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Remember, if what you just said reminded me of when we were on the airplanes, and it, I think it was after 9-11, and everybody was having to be all vigilant on the airplane, and they're like, listen, if you see somebody suspect, goddammit, you fucking tackle them down. <laughs> tackle I mean, to I, the what? ground. Yeah, I was like, damn, can you imagine you get on the airplane, you're getting all settled in, and it was like, Jasper, look, that bitch looks suspicious, run up and jump on their back and tackle them down, and it was like, oh, sorry,
1: sister. You know, it's just like. No, oh. unfortunately, I'm usually the one that looks suspicious and that they're tackling.
2: They'd be tackling, so, you know, I'd be coming back from the galley, right, going, what are you guys doing? No, this is my friend. No, he always looks like that. No, D. him. Okay, so I I can't tell you.
1: I mean, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, I purposely, after 9 11, I would try to be as clean shaven, you know, as clean, cleaned up as I could because right afterwards, every time Dennis and I would travel, not only would I get pulled aside like in the TSA line, then you know how you would get to the gate and you're you're boarding and then you'd have to go. (laughs) I would get pulled aside again and have just my carry on bag searched. And Dennis would be like, "God damn, what did they think you were a terrorist?" And I'm like, "I guess so." So I've been, you know, oh my God, I was profiled.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Who do I sue? God damn it! I'm pro- i uh, oh, Pardon me, I'm goodness. saying GD a lot today, which is not really something I say very often. But um, that's so unlike me, being a Christian, you know, I, to take yeah, God's yeah. name in vain. Right, right. You know,
2: anything goes now. And, you know, to your point, going back to what you were saying about Kamala and the Democratic Convention and her announcement, you're right. It is a feeling of refreshment, a feeling of, as an expression I heard um, earlier, well, I won't use that expression, but there's a cleansing that Mm -hmm. we feel is impending. And I think – for what those redneck people that voted for him last time, the way they were feeling like, we need change, we need change, I think it's our turn this time to say we need change, but we do it in such a positive, uplifting way. And, yes. as, Sharon, and as Sharon Stone said, if you have a woman in office, they're going to look after families a lot differently than someone who's not a female in the office. Uh, And
1: especially if you have a a psychotic narcissist person who has no empathy or, you know, a a guy who has no empathy for anybody like Trump. But I think, you know, yeah, I agree. I think more women in general is better in the world. We need the nurturing and we need, we need, I I mean, I think most straight men will admit that women are smarter. I mean, they Mm -hmm. just are Sorry, that's just the way it is. But speaking of smart, we have an amazing show tonight because we're we're doing episode eight of the Horrors and Heroes of Homelessness. And um, coming back and joining us tonight is General Jeff Page, who, as you guys know, is the the one and only, my go-to expert on everything homeless in Los Angeles, especially on Skid Row. Um, But his knowledge expands beyond Skid Row because the same issues that are on Skid Row are happening in all major cities and, you know, small cities. And let's, let's think about it, Ralph. Now with the evictions happening and the stimulus um, unemployment checks not happening, we're going to see a much bigger surge of homelessness now in LA and all over the country. So I want to talk about
2: that. In addition to 18,000 inmates being released.
1: Right, which that's a whole, yes, that's a whole other issue with prison reform and COVID. And then we, we had hoped last week to have Emmy nominee uh, Scott Turner Schofield, but he had a, an emergency with, with his dear pet, His I think it's his dog. We'll find out when we talk to him. He's going to join us at 7 o'clock at the top of the hour. But um, without further ado, I'd like to bring on our very special guest, General Jeff
4: Hey, thanks for having me Thanks for hey, having me, glad buddy. to be here
1: Welcome back, Hey I'm guys, wondering. how's it going? Oh, long overdue, missing you guys I know, hey, say Jeff. hi to This is Ralph, my co-host I don't think you guys have hey. met
2: Hey, Jeff Oh, we'll hey have a,
1: Ralph
2: Hey Jeff, I want to just say Um I have heard only terrific, uplifting things about you, so I want to oh, thank wow. you for letting me be your guest today. I feel like huh. I'm I'm your guest, so you know, feel free to ask me anything you'd like to know about. Him, <laughs> but, uh, but
4: but too
2: right. kind, I, um, I
1: appreciate it.
2: I like your energy and I like your focus, so welcome.
1: And, and thank you, thank uh, you for yeah. having me. Ralph is a native uh, L.A. born and raised in, uh, as well. So he's, you know, he's familiar with the scene in L.A. and has watched the homeless crisis, unfortunately, grow over the years. But, um, yeah, so so Jeff was last on in May. So it's been May, June. We're going on, you know, three months. And when we first touched base in May, you know, the pandemic was a few months in. And at that time, we didn't really know what was going to happen or how much longer it was going to. Continue. So give us an update. I mean, have, has anything gotten better, I guess, is the first question.
4: Well, you know, that's <laughs> actually hard to say. Um, in the beginning, um, and that's because prior to COVID, um, we and Sk- there are those of us at Skid Row Community Leaders that have a direct uh, rapport with the uh, top, with the heads of uh, the Department of Public Health. And they've been very, very—that's two very—very, very responsive to any of our inquiries, our concerns, via whether in, in terms of communication communicating with us, whether it's about uh, situations, um, health-related, obviously, data requests for data, statistics, what have you. Um, everything from you know, if you guys can remember back, there was a typhus zone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when it was declared and. You know, Skid Row T B outbreak the years before that and you know, there's always been a constant presence of alleged uh uh, uh germs and disease and outbreaks in uh Skid Row and so at the time uh the typhus zone that the city of Los Angeles declared, um, I personally contacted D P H to get clarification because at that point in time, the only, there was an article that came out that said the only actual cases within our Skid Row boundaries was out of LAPD Central Division Police Station. And mm-hmm. so then, you know, I contacted the Department of Public Health to get clarification on why they declared a uh, typhus zone, as in like uh, necessary boundaries of concern um, in terms of like, and there's an outbreak happening within Skid Row. And right. I got an immediate response from Dr. Barbara Ferrer, who's the director of the Department of, of DPH, mm-hmm. had and clarified that they, DPH, did not uh, de- declare Skid Row to be uh, a, a typhus zone area. And, in fact, that it was the city of Los Angeles that did that. And so then I requested uh, in that same correspondence for um, – The uh, data, current data and statistics, not only for that year, which I believe was 2018, but also for two years prior, 2007-2016, not only in Skid Row, but in Skid Row is termed specifically as it pertains to typhus in Skid Row and as well as the the downtown Los Angeles greater area. And um, in each case, there was more uh, cases of typhus out in the downtown los angeles area more so than in the skid row area and so then that led us to question why the city of los angeles would then declare a skid row typhus zone as if typhus the outbreak is is in skid row there are less than five cases in 2018 Mm -hmm. and so but there are 12 cases in downtown los angeles and so it, you know, we're always the whipping boy, if you will, right, um, right. in terms of helping DTLA keep its positive image and favorable brand uh, as they're marketing this amazing, luxurious lifestyle all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously, at, now that we know what the feds have run up into City Hall, um, <laughs> and know that um, that uh, all that uh, uh, marketing fluff has come crashing down and hit rock bottom, and so. Um, that's just one example of how extensive um, and thorough we are as a community um, and how the great report we had from, with DPH. But now moving forward, coming back to um, initially, we had that same report, getting all the latest data statistics. Um, as you, I'm sure you all are aware there is this report that there was this huge outbreak in the Union Rescue Mission in Skid Row
0: mm-hmm. um,
4: around 100 people. At first, it started off, it was one employee was infected. Um, And then less than five, there were five or six cases of of guests uh, being infected. And so then it went to that first employee died, and then there were 43 cases uh, that uh, contracted COVID, and then it exploded. And then it went to around 100 people that were infected, and three people died. And then so we came out and publicly asked for the head of the uh, executive director, of the Union Rescue Mission, uh, Reverend Andy Bell, said he's got to go because this is improper leadership, failed leadership. People are dying on his watch. And instead of completely evacuating the building and completely disinfecting the entire building, they said they're just going to move some tables and chairs around and keep people in there and try to combat uh, COVID as best as they could. And so that was totally unacceptable, especially when death had already occurred and more Mm -hmm. people are are, – becoming infected and it didn't seem like there was anything under control. And those are our fellow Skid Row residents. And so we were very, very upset about that. And after that, we've been frozen out in terms of any real time information. Um, We knew at that time we had gone on the county's website for all the latest COVID updates. And we had real time information specifically that we requested from them. And then when we looked on the website, even the updated information that they provided to us separately, wasn't even on the updated information, so we knew the information on the website, even though the date and the time says last updated was real time. The actual information itself was not up, updated in real time. So, you know, ever since then, we've pretty much just taken it for granted that uh, we're we're left for dead. Uh, there's 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 a lack of uh, true communication with us with the uh, boots on the ground uh, on Skid Road so we have no idea on um, um, what current COVID numbers to trust and what to go by. So what we do is we go out in the street, out in the community and walk around. And so in the beginning, there was uh, the uh, the city of Los Angeles and the county of Los Angeles were slow to issue uh, face masks. Mm-hmm. And so um, then until it finally became a requirement that you couldn't go into a store unless you had a face mask on, and then all of a sudden, Uh, there was an adequate number of of, uh, face masks throughout Skid Row. And so then there became the, uh, around the time you're talking about in March when we last spoke, the uh, COVID testing sites opened up, and so people were concerned in Skid Row, and they started getting tested. And so it's kind of difficult for people that are in a transient state Mm -hmm. to be consistent with, you know, whether it's uh, self-quarantine or even making themselves a could constantly available on a volunteer basis to these uh, medical personnel that are standing around waiting for people to contact them. Um, right. So we question the system. Um, you know, we need a little more aggressive outreach. If it's a global pandemic, go out and find some folks that do a little better job of of, of trying to corral the situation. And so um, now it's gotten to the point where um, you know we've in we just simply got too many other things that are, are, are important to us. We you know, we don't know where we're going to, a lot of us don't know where we're going to sleep at night, What we're going to eat. Uh, you know, there are pertinent things that to be concerned about this invisible global pandemic that we can't see. And so, right. so now there's a, the natural concerns are coming back. And for instance, the skid row, skid row community is a majority African American community. And me being born and raised in South central Los Angeles, we know that, you know, in, in, in the hood, if you will, we don't allow, it's not cool to walk around with your face covered because mm-hmm. that automatically looks like you're, you know, you're suspicious and you're up to something. And so right. that makes everybody else uncomfortable. If you got a couple of cats, cause you can't, for one is you slow to identify who they are And two, if there's multiple people moving around, you got to keep eyeballs on them at all times and anything can happen at any time in, in, in terms of gang violence and gun violence and, things of that sort of very, very hot in the inner city community, um, that's of great concern. And so that's just a no-no. When we talk about the street code, you don't have folks just walking around with with their face covered all the time. And so it's gotten to the point where the the street code is kicked back in and skid row. And they're like, you guys got to take those masks off because we don't know who you are, what you're up to, you know. And so so that was a serious concern. Because a lot of these people are having, you know, tra- traumatized by having folks just walk right up on them and, and unsuspectingly, and next thing you know, something breaks out, and then you know their faces are covered, so there's no witnesses, no clues, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
4: police slow to develop, and and things of that sort. And so um, now it's gotten to the point where it's like no um, rags, you know, no bandanas, no nothing of that sort. And if you actually have a face mask, actually have like an N95 or some type of actual Perfecto. face mask, health related mm-hmm. face mask, and so, and this is just the Skid Row community, um, just you know communicating and, and and handling this by themselves, by ourselves, and so um, you know that's pretty much where we are on that. Um, what's coming out of City Hall is a bunch of confusion. Again, as I mentioned earlier. you know, everyone knows that, you know, the FBI raided uh, our our city council representative, his house, his, you know, city hall office. And uh, during this COVID crisis, since the last time that we talked with your show, um, you know, they officially arrested him. And so now we don't have any, absolutely zero representation in terms of uh, what's going on in city hall. So we've got not only the homelessness out of control, and Skid Row is already the homeless capital of America. Now we've got uh, a global pandemic and we've got zero leadership to understand what, what, what in the heck is going on. And so it's, um, it's extremely frustrating. It's extremely um, tiring. Um, all the emails, you know, we've got some of these guys that work for the mail, mayor's office and I guess they're infatuated with themselves or infatuated with their titles. Um, but they're not doing the work. You know, they mm-hmm. come in with these disrespectful tones towards our community members, like they're looking down on us and like they're doing us a favor by telling us, you know, giving us updates. And it's like that, that, that's your job. If you don't want to do your job, then don't come to Skid Row. Don't communicate that. And then there's another situation where all the meetings that matter about Skid Row, um, because of COVID, you know, they're not in person. You know, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden they're, uh, you know, zoom meetings, majority of them are, and someone like me, myself, I don't own a computer. I don't right. own a laptop. I can't attend any of the meetings. I have no idea what's going on, what's being discussed. I have to get secondhand, uh, de- up debriefs in terms of what was discussed in the meeting or, or what is to be discussed. And so it's extremely frustrating. And so, um, uh something that has come forward that are we good on time i'm sorry
1: i'm running off oh, the mouth yeah. but i'm really got a lot okay, of information listen. to share are we good on time no no we've got a we've got at least 35 40 minutes left oh this okay t- I, you know, I didn't know doing the one segment <laughs> no this is your time you t- okay? this is all your time i wonder everyone if they're just joining us we're we're talking to uh a homeless advocate skid row he's aka he didn't call himself the mayor of skid row but some people do general jeff page you can go to skid row neighborhood com is a website and also on twitter go skid row go and then on uh instagram he's at skid row general jeff but i wanted to say also um because for, for people just joining and also for like Ralph, who's meeting you for the first time, if you don't mind, go back quickly and talk about the the, the councilman that was arrested and how that, I mean, you guys had been sounding the alarm about him and talk about how how the corruption ties into the homeless situation in Skid Row with the funding and the mismanagement of funds and stuff like that. Sure,
4: okay. Um, just as a point of clarification in, in my introduction, which is really wonderful, um, in my nickname, General Jeff, I am not a true general that served time in the <laughs> military. General is a nickname, so it's in quotation marks. Not uh, General is not my first name and it's not my title. It's just a nickname. People are, folks.
1: People so, are not saluting you when you walk by. <laughs> <under your head. laughs> you know, I I've
4: actually went to a uh, conference in San Diego many years ago, and it was uh, about homeless vets, and I got invited to represent the homeless vets in Skid Row. And I didn't think anything about it. I got on the MetroLink train, went on down there, they picked me up from the station, took me to the meeting. And there was a retired uh, 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 retired colonel who was at the in Sacramento at uh, some big office for veterans position. I forget uh, I forget the colonel's name. My apologies. And to convene the meeting, it's like this: all this heavyweight, just everybody's a serious vet, and I was the keynote speaker, the guest keynote speaker, and they introduced me, General Jeff. And they, man, they they old. they told, they ripped me a new one <laughs> oh, because no. they're like, you're 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 not old enough to be a general. <laughs> you're not old enough. You're no, well, How dare you? Stolen valor and blah blah blah. Oh
2: my oh, god. Oh my god. And it was
4: about it was about forty or fifty guys ripped me. They well, they took turns. And it's wow. it, oh, so all, So please, I let me, let me, you know, full disclosure. I am not a military <laughs> general, nor do I claim to be one. But,
2: but so, Jeff, you yes. know what I, you, what I got out of that was like I love that expression, stolen valor. Okay, because <laughs> because
4: that oh, those apply- guys, oh, they, and they were serious. They you know, oh, Some yeah. of those cats jumped out of their chairs, like uh, pounding the podium, like. How oh, dare yeah. you? You know I lost friends on the front lines, and they, we, we're sick of it. The, we got one in our midst. Let's 'em. him. It turned into a witch hunt. Oh, on the oh my Uh-oh.
2: god! You were like, bitch, sit the fuck down. It's a nickname, okay? It's <laughs> no, no. I no.
4: All, I, I fully understood, you know, because those guys fought for their own titles, and they believe in that structure and that military discipline. And Stolen Valor is really a thing, and it's like I would be upset if I was in within their ranks and someone just walked in, hey, I'm the king of the world, and you all <laughs> bow down to me. And I'd be like, what, what did you do to conquer this world? How dare you? <laughs> well, and isn't so, not it? You know, I understood, But when I explained it, I held my ground, and I explained to them how I got my nickname, why I still use my nickname. For those that don't know, is I went to I went to high school in the Crenshaw district of South Central Los Angeles, Crenshaw High School. Um, right after Daryl Strawberry left, the the great uh, baseball player,
0: um, mm-hmm. and I was
4: a state champion. Uh, we were state champions my senior year in basketball, and so I was like a coach on the floor. And so because my first name is Jeff, the the syllables linked up so General and Jeff. So first it was Coach Jeff. No, the coach is over there. So General Jeff, it stuck. And when I, you know, became a uh, rapper, I needed a cool name. And so I ran with General Jeff. And as a community activist, I stuck with that name. And people are familiar with that name and respect me as such. And it has absolutely nothing to do with any type of attempted stolen valor or any type of fake military credentials or any of that. And so... Well, let me tell you, Um, you when I explained that to those guys, they fully understand, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, well, you know, and then the fact that I'm actually there representing homeless veterans and other homeless homeless folks as well, speaking on their behalf, that couldn't attend this statewide uh, homeless conference for veterans. Um, And then they, you know, the the room, you know, calmed down then. And so, but it was uh, quite a scene at first. They were (laughs) like...
1: I want to say you've earned your stripes with the work that you've done on uh, on the homeless situation. So you, you've you've more than earned whatever name you want to call yourself. Period. So that's, that's, <laughs> hey, I've that's
4: <laughs> hey, I've been called a lot worse. I've been called a lot worse,
1: and I've been know, thrown I mean, out of it, worse
4: places. But no, um.
1: <laughs> but yeah, because I mean, we've talked about on on you know, you've educated me and the listeners about the uh the poverty pimps and the how homelessness has become a multi-multi almost billion dollar industry you know and it, it is tied into politicians and how mismanagement of funds and you know the the bigger the they want to keep the homeless numbers up to justify the 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 quote unquote programs that are developed and the money that goes into it and that's my concern. Is of course now with the COVID and then with the unemployment situation and the more the more homeless people that are going to come out onto the streets, are, is this just going to add more you know fuel to the fire of more funding, more bogus positions? I mean, is that do you see any any hope in the in the future for that ending with the politician going being arrested?
4: Well, you know, there's a there's wow, there's a whole lot to unpack in all that amazing uh, uh, foundation that you laid, Jasper. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into deep into poverty pimping right now, unless we have time at the very end. But I encourage your listeners, and maybe you can as well, to direct them to our past shows
0: yeah, where they yeah.
4: can get all the in that we tried to go in as in depth as we could to lay that out. And we think that they could go pull that up for that archive and they can really understand because I'm pretty sure you got some new listeners like poverty pimping. Wait, what, wait, what's going on? What is this? So right, uh, right. you know, I, yeah. I don't everyone, want to come on your show. Everyone check it
1: out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I
4: don't want to come on your show and just keep repeating the same information because while there are those that are new, there are those that are consistently listening and they're like waiting for the new information. Yeah, yeah, right. we heard that yeah. already. Come on <laughs> with the news stuff. And so it's like, I want to be fair to everybody. And so when you guys get, you know, the newbies, when you guys get caught up to speed, you know, do your due diligence, do some research and come on in. Come on in. You know, so it's hard. And, and, you know, I try to have um, as as an uplifting uh, uh, positive uh, attitude as possible with such dire information, you know. I'm not a doom and gloom guy, even though these these situations deplorable and inhumane conditions. Um, you know, it's not even it's 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 not even mismanagement of funds. It's blatant thievery. And we're talking right. about our our, our 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 elected officials on local, state and federal level. Um, I want to correct you, Jasper, It's not almost a, 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 a multi-billion dollar industry. It is homelessness it is, in America is. is a multi-billion dollar industry. Mm. It's not, you know, it's poverty pen, but it's industry, and an or- so there are a lot of jobs at these nonprofit organizations that are created, uh, at the because of the the very existence of homelessness, and because it exists, then they justify it by allocating funding to take care of that, and then the funding gets eaten up in the jobs, and then right. in Kid Row specifically, you've got the CEOs and executive directors um, earning uh, allegedly earning. Uh, paychecks as high as two and three hundred thousand dollars annually, mm-hmm. and so as long as homelessness exists, there's job security for these for these folks. And so that's all I'm going to say to the poverty pimping aspect. So now, when we get to the uh, the actual politics, like I mentioned, on a local, state, and federal, the corruption is is, is widespread, um, and they all work hand in hand: the nonprofits, the business sector, law enforcement. uh, Local, state, and federal politicians, Um, and they're all they're all in on it. We're convinced. We put that forth. So in two thousand in two thousand and fourteen, I led an effort, a grassroots effort in Skid Row to create a Skid Row Neighborhood Council. Currently, in the city of Los Angeles, there are ninety nine neighborhood councils, um, citywide in the entire city of Los Angeles. And what neighborhood councils are are basically a bunch of volunteers from various communities that is officially recognized by the city of Los Angeles. And each year they're allocated tens of thousands of dollars for, uh, various, uh, issues that are in their community. For instance, if, you know, someone wants to do a program for kids, they can get a little funding from the neighborhood council or, and so when somebody wants to do a clean up or plant trees or something, they can get some funding from the neighborhood council. Or if there are issues that the city council really needs to weigh in on and they're unsure about it, they can send it before the uh, neighborhood councils. and the neighborhood councils act as liaisons between the public and the city. And then they can get uh, uh direct feedback uh, from the, from the public, their constituents and give them to the uh, city council members. And so um in in downtown los angeles skid row is a part of the downtown los angeles neighborhood council and since its inception in 2002 and so with with homelessness you know rising out of control um we felt that it was no longer in our best interest to remain uh, a part of the downtown los angeles neighborhood council so we first had to uh Push it through for the city of Los Angeles to complete the subdivision application process, which they did. So that was a successful win for us. And then we wound, were able to uh, turn in our application, um, and the city approved our application in January of 2017. And when they appro- approved our subdivision application, we were to have an election within uh, 90 days of the approval. And so on um, April 6th of 2017, we had an election and And the subdivision ordinance in the Los Angeles administrative code uh section twenty two point eight one nine stated that there was only going to be one polling place within the proposed boundaries that we put forth that would 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 be uh, represent the boundaries of the Scarrow neighborhood council. So now the interesting thing there was that because we were talking about breaking away from the downtown Los Angeles neighborhood council all of a sudden the Skid Row area, which is, you know, considered prime real estate became of great interest to the downtown real estate developers who are looking to get rid of the homeless folks and build luxury condos and gentrify and all those amazing things Mm -hmm. that uh, they felt are uh, better than what we need, actually need in our community. And so um, in for instance, like low income housing for families. And so um, what those folks did was uh, clearly they did not want to come to Skid Row to vote so they lobbied, and we've got the documentation uh, to prove it. They lobbied our city council representative and paid tens of thousands of dollars that we know of, went through all this lobbying process to get them to push through online voting so that they could just vote comfortably from their, their, their desktop top computers and smartphones at their own convenience and not have to come to um, Skid Row. And that whole entire process was a farce. To this day, the city of Los Angeles has not been able to accurately and legally validate that one electronic vote was cast. There was a third-party vendor that the city contracted with out of San Diego that oversaw the uh, electronic voting uh, options. And after, soon after our election, when we filed a lawsuit, first we challenged the election, and the city gave us the runaround, and then we filed a lawsuit. And the uh, third-party vendor wound up going out of business. They merged with a company in Cleveland, Ohio. And then we've even got the documentation where the uh, CEO of the, uh, the new third-party vendor basically issued a statement to the city of Los Angeles where, quote-unquote, they said they destroyed the files, quote-unquote, for security reasons. So mm-hmm. in, in essence, during a pending legal matter – the evidence was destroyed. So the city wow. is saying, hey, we can't validate these votes, but we know those guys lost. Well, how can you prove that we lost? How can you prove that we didn't win?
1: <laughs> right, right.
4: Well, 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 we can't. And so now we, you know, we've got this uh, ongoing legal matter, and it's, a, and it's insane that the city of Los Angeles is actually fighting us and preventing us from creating this Gabriel Neighborhood Council that would create the necessary solutions that we don't want to live in homelessness. We don't want to live in squalor. Who does? We don't want trash and filth on our streets. We want nice pretty amenities, tree lined streets. We want, you know, playground, uh, for playgrounds for the kids, low income family housing. There's a lot of, we want just a basic, you know, vibrant community. And for some reason, these folks seem to want homelessness to continue. Because why? Because it's a multi-billion dollar industry, and right. they can continue to get paid. And so it's like, so we have to, we're forced to struggle, and the city is actually fighting this lawsuit. Uh, right now, we're at the uh, Court of Appeals. We had a trial, You know, and it was so difficult for us to actually get legal, proper legal representation. For some reason, no lawyers wanted to take our case.
0: Uh, it was imagine? extremely
4: odd. We reached out to everybody. We've got the you know the ACLU, Legal Aid Foundation, Southern Poverty Law Center. We went outside of California. We touched you, Johnny Cochran's office, rest in peace. We we touched everybody. Nobody would take our case, mm-hmm. and it was just extremely odd. So we ended up wound up well, with a warm body with a law degree. Okay, <laughs> we were able to get the paperwork through. We got it. Oh, whew, thank you so much. I mean, we got to you know you got to go with what we what you can get. And, uh, of course, pro bono, of course. So that, that scared a lot of folks, uh, a lot of legal folks off. We, we don't have that million-dollar retainer budget. We don't have that. We're scared. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's just frustrating. And so, um, you know, we wound up having, let's just say we had a poor presentation at trial. Mm-hmm. And the trial didn't go in our favor. That was this February in 2020. And so now we're we're in the process of appeals and then COVID hits, so no uh court cases are happening right now, and so there's still a lot of paperwork and formalities in terms of uh, getting uh court transcripts and copies and all of that kind of stuff. And so the fact that we don't have currently have legal representation, I cannot actually legally represent the Skid Row neighborhood council formation committee, even though I'm the chair. And I led and I represented our formation committee in the trial. They're like, you, I can only represent myself as an individual and only a lawyer can represent the formation committee. So there's a lot of legal wrangling going on. You know, we got COVID homelessness. We got all this other stuff going on and we're fighting in the court of law and the city of LA is not budging. And so while all of that's going on, you know, the federal government is running up in city hall Saying that, you know, hey, they're arresting guys left and right because of corruption. And in, during our trial, when we put our briefs together and our evidence together, we had strong evidence that says, hey, the city of Los Angeles has been corrupt, specifically in terms of Skid Row and downtown Los Angeles, for years. And here's our exhibit. And so we have on our website, skidrowneighborhoodcouncil.com. That's Skid Row Neighborhood Council dot com and there's a document in there uh, if you click on the menu it's called addendum a and i personally that's my baby i press 155 pages a long read but it's got everything in there and we name names we name names and they go high up to the higher ups at the city hall hey we're not scared we this is what the proof and what the evidence says and we lay it out for any and all to see and once we win this appeal, we're well, hopefully we'll get the uh, proper legal representation that will at least better representation. That will, all we have to do is just lay it out there. The, the, the evidence speaks for itself. It's the easiest case to win on the planet. And so if not, I may have to go per and just, just do it myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because I mean, the, 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 the previous uh, display of trial, it just was, not what the court anticipated, what they expected. And, you know, so we wound up losing based on the technicality, not based, we didn't lose on the merits of the case. Those are two different, those are very vastly two different situations. Because if we lost on the merits, then this would just be a a, a frivolous uh, uh, appeal, which it is not. It's very valid, and we're going to get this thing right. We're determined to take it all the way to the Supreme Court if we have to. And uh, you know that's where we're at, and so, you know. But in the meantime, Skid Row goes on. Um, the corruption is still going on. We don't have representation. Uh, no, we have, apparently we have to wait till after the election in November, when our council member-elect, uh, former state senator Kevin De Leon, uh comes on online, and uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he luckily I've known him for well over ten years as being, a, you know, an outspoken and active uh, scare Road community activist, knowing him when he was up in Sacramento. Um, yeah, going back to when uh, uh, Villarigosa was married. So um, we already have somewhat of a rapport. Um, in November of 2018, I'm sorry. Jeez, uh, I've forgotten the date, but it was uh, last year. Uh, Last year, uh, Kevin DeLeon came, I'm sorry, no, it was December of 2019. I'm sorry, I get so much information, forgive me. In December of 2019, we had uh, former State Senator Kevin DeLeon actually attended uh, one of our Skid Row Neighborhood Council Formation Committee meetings, and and I officially introduced him to our Skid Row community. Uh, That was prior to the election, and because we had that report, none of the other candidates contacted us and so you know that that pretty much validated him in our community and shortly Mm -hmm. after that the downtown community endorsed him and then he was well on his way and so it was our skid row ship saying hey this is you know this is you know the strongest candidate this is the guy that we anticipate will be the new guy to come in and going to do amazing things and so um you know we we can't wait to see what he has rolled up in his sleeves how are we doing on time guys
1: we're good. I wanted we got about six minutes. I wanted to just, if I could, quickly, right here in Palm Springs, where I live, uh, Jeff. You know the homeless situation has grown, of course, over the last 15 years, and they have just. The city council was was given a three million dollar grant. I'm putting in quotation marks um, to build permanent. Uh, they're taking a, a hotel that's not open anymore here in North Palm Springs they are allegedly saying they're going to put um, permanent homeless housing with a restaurant and with facilities for training and all kinds of stuff that they want to uh, open. I've got some people listening today on the show because I told them I was going to bring this up to you. Um, It's not, it's not the not on my backyard kind of issue. The concern is that Palm Springs is right at the beginning of creating homelessness as a multi-million dollar business and so i guess my question is is there anything like looking back now when when something's about to start and here we go you know we see the funding now we've got the city council there's already been mentioning that there were some secret meetings that happened before they allowed any businesses or residents to know what was really happening and where the money was coming from and there's already been like five committees you know, developed by the city. And I guess my question is, what, is there anything the citizens, the residents can do now in a small town of 25,000 to 50,000 people like Palm Springs to, to start voicing their concerns so we don't let this become, you know, a, uh, a corrupt politician ran? Like, we, of course, want the best for the homeless. We want this to be a great Permanent housing situation, but there's everything in our bones are telling us something about it is suspect, and that it's just to get more money for the politician.
4: Wow, thank you. I'm honored that I would be uh, asked for for my uh, insight. Um, I, I want to get to this quickly because I also have a couple other uh, uh, things I want to speak about, um, and, and we, we're short on time. Um, you know, for example, here in Los Angeles. Uh, we just recently and across and across the nation, actually, uh, you know, I uh, have allies over at Black Lives Matter, um, specifically Black Lives Matter, L.A., who led the push to, de- quote, hashtag defund the police. And one of the main and even prior to that, uh, folks at Black Lives Matter started uh, with the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, civilian over created a civilian oversight board. And while. um Former former Sheriff Lee Baca, who's in serving time in prison now for his mm-hmm. corrupt acts, um, they uh, co-opted that board, which it was supposed to be comprised of com- we the people of the community, and they wound up put were able to circumvent and put their handpicked cronies. And but anyway, but we still put pressure on them, and we able to get uh, 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 oversight attached to. Uh, the sheriff's department, uh, it it, it wasn't the same with Los Angeles police department because they have the Los Los Angeles police commission who is supposed to to represent we, the people, but that's also been co-opted. And so my strong advice and and just understanding today's society, homelessness is going to happen. There is Mm -hmm. no way to stop homelessness from happening. So what we, the people can do is attach strong, oversight okay. uh, to whatever body governing body, whether it be the city council or homelessness committee, whatever the city of, of Palm Springs wants to create in terms of this new housing development. Cause if it's, if it's, they're starting with one, it may be a pilot project. And if yeah. it is, then if this goes successful, there's going to be more in the pipeline. And so yeah. it's important to, uh, uh, to establish an oversight uh, a committee now of concerned citizens, and and go through everything. Create, you know, there are those that want may think that you may need to create bylaws. You know, what is the selection process? Who has selection rights? Voting rights? Are there subpoena powers? that was something that we had to fight for with the uh, L.A. County Sheriff Department. Because if officers, if the sheriff deputies are, you know, a, a, a bully in our community. Um, we should have. To, we wanted subpoena power so that we could be able to call them in to a meeting, and they would actually have to show up, and you know, like, and 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 basically have a trial before we, the people, and give an a official uh, position in terms of what happened out, it, it, in terms of if there was any uh, malicious acts or alleged malicious acts out in the community. And so, uh, not uh, an oversight committee with subpoena power in terms okay. of. Uh, um, um, in terms of having access to internal documentation in regards to funding and any and all decision making, and so and also if there's opportunity, if they have a homelessness committee to get members on their committees, and 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 find what does again what does that process selection process look like, whether they be a, appointed by the mayor, uh, approved by a vote by the city council or or other options and so but we need we the people concerned citizens in the room at the decision making tables and we the people need people that are going to be active enough to want to go to those meetings attend those meetings and report back to the rest of us what happened in those meetings because we all can't make the meetings and so you know while it's may seem like it's cumbersome it's extremely necessary especially now in the beginning of this process because if you right. don't put get it implemented in the beginning of the process you're going to lose the process
0: that's they're right gonna, they're going yeah. to do whatever they have
4: take complete control and do whatever the hell it is they want and then notify the rest
1: of us we the people of what they decided to do it's like the train is leaving the station, but Jeff, listen, our next guest, it's so, it's, it's so wonderful because we have you on as a homeless advocate and our next guest is an amazing transgender activist and advocate as well. And there's so much, I mean, we could talk forever. We talk about transgendered homelessness and, but again, we we never have enough time with you, but I wanted, I'd (laughs) I'd love to make a commitment to have you, at least once a month now, come on, so we can stay on top of these, you know, issues. And, and everyone here is texting me in Palm Springs, just what you told us is going to be so helpful with us, with the oversight committee. So I want everyone yeah. to remember they can follow you at Twitter is go skid road, go. And on uh, Instagram, it is at skid road general Jeff and also Facebook is general Jeff, buddy. Thank you so much as always. Much love to you. Thank He's you. Doing I, you
4: thank you. I, I got to get it in really quickly. Our pressure on and, and as community activists in homelessness, we were able to put pressure on Mayor Garcetti and he just recently fired his homeless director, uh, Christina Miller. And so she's out of there, and we've got more news to update you on possible this, complete disbanding of a uh, Lasa, which is the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, and more to come. We, we're we're still fighting this, and we're we're changing things, the dynamics, and I want to update you all soon.
1: All right, buddy. But you, thank you for having you're, me. You're amazing. We love you. Thanks. Thank Take you. Take care Jeff. Of yourself. Bye-bye. Thanks so nice much. Nice
2: meeting you. Oh,
1: I'm telling you, Ralph, Jeff is just like a ball of energy and he knows his stuff. I mean, yeah,
2: he is very passionate about it as he needs to be. So it's very refreshing to see that. The homeless community has somebody like him. Just like he's saying you guys need an oversight committee. He's a great – he's a one-person oversight committee.
1: Well, which is true, and I'm so glad to get that uh, information. But we are – we're going to take a a, a right turn, but it's really – you know what? It's staying in the vein of advocacy. Um, Our next guest, as you – we've talked about, Ralph and I are huge fans of his work. He's an Emmy-nominated actor. As I mentioned earlier, he's a professional transgender advocate. Um, you, currently, you can see him on the Emmy nominated series Studio City. I first fell in love with him on The Bold and Beautiful. And we're so happy to welcome Scott Turner Schofield. All right. Hey, Scott. Welcome to the show.
0: hi thanks so much for having me
1: well I figure we're all three actors here you know we 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 need as much applause as as we can get these days (laughs) (laughs) well listen thank you so much Um, I hope everything's okay with your I think it may have been your dog you had some something happen with one of your animals
5: I'm so sorry. I, I was mortified, but our, our little dog got into a poison trap that was hidden oh, in our
0: mm.
1: complex, uh, and we
5: just, like, bore off to the vet, and I totally, I was mortified. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, listen,
1: don't even, I mean, listen, we are pet <laughs> pet lovers, and I, you know, that's, as long as everything's okay. Well, listen, first of all, congratulations on Studio City um you know we've had we had Philip on last week we've had Sean we we had Patrika we're just we're big fans of the show um we're big fans Thank of your you. work as, as as well and i mean again i you know i voted for you for <laughs> for the emmy <laughs> for the isa i just thought that your work on this series especially um well i don't want to give anything away but for anyone everyone could follow, find the show on Amazon prime, but all of your scenes are amazing, but there's some in particular, especially at the, uh, the support group scene that is so powerful, um, that you deliver such an amazing, uh, performance, but I wanted, if you don't mind, I want we need about three hours with you because your story is of <laughs> course, just amazing. And you've had such a journey, but I want to just kind of go back and talk about, um, were you was acting always something that you that you were drawn to as a kid? Was that something you wanted to do early on in life?
5: It really was. You know, I was one of those kids who would block the television, performing for my parents. You know, as <laughs> <laughs> always. Been sit
0: down, yeah.
5: <laughs> right, exactly. Like, please, right. Um, so, yeah, you know, I always say that it's that there were sort of two two truths that I I knew I would always be you. One was a man and one was an actor and here I am. Oh, that's
2: so great. Scott, I wanted to introduce myself. My name is Ralph. I am a big fan of yours from studio city. Um, Just to echo what Jasper said, your work in that is very exceptional. And when Uh I, you're welcome. When I got to meet Sean on the on our show, when I watched the scene, the uh, support group scene, I wondered if it was scripted, ad-libbed, if you had contributed, and Sean said, oh, no, honey, Scott, we, that's out of Scott's mouth. And it was so nice to just... And I know that you guys are all very collaborative. It was such a moving scene for me. And, you know... I just wanted to say to you that I very much respect what you do and you're fun to watch.
5: Oh, Ralph. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's it's a real honor to hear that coming back from, you know, my professional community. So thank you. Well,
2: yeah. I mean, as Jasper said, like, how, did did you know from the beginning? I, like you, I had some very definitive truths at the beginning and this is why I was so excited to talk to you. I used to watch father knows best and I cried during father knows best when kitten people didn't show up for her birthday party. So that's like, that's how sensitive I was to think. (laughs) And I, and I too always felt I will be in show business and the rest is history. That's amazing. Right. Isn't that funny how that works? It's
5: happened a few times too. Like I'll get like a real, like, I would watch actors on shows and movies and have like a real uh, just like feeling about them and then mm-hmm. now I'm here and I'm like meeting them and and we're like doing stuff together and I'm like, oh, you know, that is so strange. And it's the weirdest little things like um, Allie Fields, the woman who played the mother on uh, The Wonder Years, which was a mm-hmm. really big mm-hmm. show for me, for me growing up. First person I met when I walked onto the golden beautiful stage, and she was so welcoming.
0: Mm. And it was oh. one of
5: those, like, you know, I was just like, "What is happening? This is so amazing! I can't believe I'm, I'm like sitting here talking to her." And you know, you always think because she played the mom, so you think, "Oh, I just loved her because she played the mom." You know, right. and you know, <laughs> like played it so well that I loved her. But it was like I'm starting to find sort of very systematically actors that I feel really attracted to through the through the screen. Are coming into
3: my life. And oh it's God, cool. it's I just
2: I have goose pimples listening to you, Scott.
1: Well, I wanted I, to I tell mean, you. I, mean, you too.
2: It's
1: hot. I wanted to Wait, tell what you did that you say? I. I'm sorry.
2: Wait, Scott, what did you say when I said I had goose pimples?
5: I said, oh, I said me too. Yeah, I mean it. Oh. It, it, <laughs> it Gives me chills, you know, when it happens.
1: Um, I wanted to tell you. I saw a wonderful interview with you and your mom on. Um, on YouTube. And so it was, it's where you, you got, you were asking your mom questions and she answered and in her wonderful English accent. um, I'm, I I can only, uh, I can assume from watching that when you were talking about being a kid and knowing that you, you had these two different truths, it seems to me you had an amazing supportive family around you um, when you were growing up, not uh, nurturing, not only your creative, but when, at what point did you begin to talk about, I guess, when you could, could know what the word trans was, or when you talked to your family about it, did, were you supported from the beginning? Because a lot of, you know, a lot of families are not supportive, obviously.
0: Sure. Well, you
5: know, so I'll be real, and my mom would be real, too. My mom's an activist with PFLAG, which is a wonderful national organization um, that you can look up, it's PFLAG.org, and they mm-hmm. have um, chapters, all, all kinds of cities have them, and, you know, it really took going to PFLAG to really help my mom, because my family is very traditional, you mm-hmm. know, um, my mom was English, um, we, we moved, when I was a teenager, um, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, and we were very much in, in a very traditional southern world there as well and so actually it was very very difficult now I'm one of the lucky ones because you know you were talking uh, about homelessness right before I came Mm -hmm. on and the the number of of trans youth who lose their families entirely you know just get kicked out put out on the street uh is astronomical it's it's Mm -hmm. over 40 that you know um 40 percent of like young of like kids we're talking Mm -hmm. under 18 yeah right Horrifying. And so I'm grateful that I had a supportive family to the extent that they were like, we don't understand you, and this is really hard, but we love you, you know. Right. Um, and, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot in my, in my work is uh, being a child, and I was so clear as a, I'm, you know, this is a pretty, pretty, uh, this is a story that you hear a lot little kids who are so clear on their gender identity and mm-hmm. I was totally clear from age three you know I just was absolutely clear and um you know I re- I met with a lot of loving but a lot of resistance from my parents around that and they didn't have any resources they didn't have any way to know you know this was but or sure. where we're now you know and um, but that's actually really damaging to a child
0: to yeah. to say
5: you don't know something that it's so clear that they know. And we, we take away a lot of agency from children. And, you know, the American Psychological Association and the American Medical Association both agree that gender identity is something that you come in with. It's like hardware and mm-hmm. computer, and it is solidified by age three. So me, when I was saying, mommy, I'm a boy, I did know that I wasn't just a dumb kid going through a phase and it it ended up taking me until I was 20 years old of thinking, always thinking to myself, I'm a freak. I don't, I don't know anything because this one thing that I'm sure that I was really sure of isn't true according to everybody. So Mm -hmm. how can I know anything, right? And it was a very damaging process. And I just really, for anybody listening out there who knows, A transgender kid. The number one thing you can say, even if you don't understand it whatsoever, you can be educated. But what you can do for a child who is exhibiting this is just to say, "I believe you and I love you no matter what."
1: Right? Right. Just yes. Listen to them. You know,
5: but yeah, yeah, it's not going to hurt anybody for a kid to put on, you know, boy clothes or girl clothes. You know what I mean? If and if they're getting bullied, you. You got to stand up for those kids anyway, no matter what they're being bullied about, right? Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. going to hurt them. It's not like they want operations or hormones when they're, you know, three, right? It's like you just right. let them explore who are and tell them that you love them. You know, it's
0: not hard. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Which you find
0: because
1: I'm from Georgia. I grew up in the South, and just growing up knowing I was, you know, gay. Just even the being gay was something, of course that we, you know, I tried to hide or whatever. So did you, did you, did you find uh, being in the South? Was that even more uh, repressive in terms of trans? And, you know, there's a lot of confusion because people think, you know, trans has to do with sexual identity. It has nothing to do with that, you know, gender and sexual, uh, it's totally different. But so did you, did, were you at first thought of as being, uh, you know, gay, a lesbian, or how did that, yeah. You know, well, yeah.
5: Well, and the thing is, too, be, even today, a lot of people don't know that your gender identity is a separate thing from your mm-hmm. sexual orientation. And right. the reason why is because of people, you know, butch lesbians or effeminate gay men, people, and, and they're the worst to deal with when you're trans because they right. hate us to both. Right. Because they've been taught because of their gender forever, and they think we're uh-huh. making it harder on that.
0: So, bad, Right? right? It's really I know. tough.
5: Um Right. But they're not, they're actually separate content. You know, that just happens to be, it's a, uh, you know, a feminine guy who happens Mm -hmm. to be gay, but those are separate things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I didn't know that either. And I'm a fish in water, right? Like how could I know if it's not, if you learn this in health class. Right. Um, Right. And so, yeah, for a while I thought, Oh, I must be a lesbian, you know, because I, I, you know, I knew I liked girls for instance. And, I was like, okay, I'm am a girl apparently because I was assigned female at birth, and I like girls, so that means I'm a lesbian. But then I was like, but do all lesbians just want to be men? Right. And as I know more lesbians, it was like, no. In fact, it is the opposite. And opposite, when I first, right. It, they, and when I first transitioned, I was in a lesbian relationship. I was in a relationship with a lesbian who didn't want to be with me. Cause she said, I don't want to be with a man. I'm a lesbian.
2: <laughs> right?
1: Mm-hmm. right. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Right. <laughs>
2: There's so I many things that you open listen. up for me, Scott. Um, I'm a gay man, but still I have questions. And it's just nice to hear your outlook. Since I knew you were going to be our guest, <clears throat> You're one of the first people. Well, I think you're the first trans actor I can ask this question to, which is when you were growing up after three years old, were you a tomboy? I was,
5: yeah. I mean, I would meet people and tell them my name was Scott. Like, I I love it. I love it and and it was always really embarrassing because then you know we moved around a lot actually and so i would meet kids and tell them my name was scott and then eventually they would come home and meet my mom and she would say no that's not scott and she would tell them my girl name you know mm-hmm.
0: and
5: it was just like oh you know uh, so yeah it was and it was always this weird tension that was um It it was, you know, unfortunately, it was very damaging. And and part of why I am an advocate and why I'm so outspoken is because I don't want anybody else to have to go through.
0: Right, right.
5: You know what I mean? If I can save somebody that trouble, it's worth it.
2: Well, that's why I wanted to ask you. I mean, I keep getting goose pimples. Jasper knows how passionate I was to meet you because I asked about you being a tomboy because I was a sissy. And it was Mm -hmm. horrible. Growing up, being a sissy mm-hmm. and trying to hide that from my parents and still try to seem what masculine is supposed to be. And, you know, and Jasper, just going back to Jeff's interview, when he said Crenshaw High School, because Crenshaw High is the high school I was supposed to go to. That's in my right. district. and But my parents t- put me into Beverly Hills High School, Scott. But on Saturday mornings, I used to have to go to Crenshaw High School to play, fl- to play flag football. And I was literally (laughs) nauseous having to get ready because it was like, I always told my mother, don't come because my father would take me. Don't come. And, And now, you know what, Jasper, I've always wanted to ask her, but now it's too late because of the dementia to go. Did you come and watch anyway? Because if I was the mother, I would have done that to see my son play this touch football because I was horrible at it. I was the center, so at least I got to hike the ball back. But even that, Scott, can we just stop for one second? Okay, here I am, the effeminate boy. Here you are, the masculine girl. We're both on the flag football team together now. My position is center and you're quarterback. So what is that position? My feet spread, I bend over, I put a ball between my thighs. You're right behind my butt. You catch that ball from between my thighs and then hurl it to somebody, okay? Wow.
1: This is this has become a whole other a whole other video now. Right. <laughs> right. But well, here's the thing I, of,
5: like, like, so you're not trans, right? Like, you no. don't identify as trans, right? Yeah. And this is the thing, like, you had, to, you had to go to football. Like, isn't it a shame that when you were a kid, you couldn't have, as a little boy, who was a little femi boy, right? And I love the little femi boys. Our nephew is a little femi boy. He's in musical theater camp right now. He's amazing. Yeah. And we don't know. We don't know. We have no idea. He's def- I don't think right. he's trans at all. He doesn't have any you know, any of that. But like, he could be gay or he
2: could just be like a fabulous little artist
5: sweetheart.
2: There's so many options. Scott, thank you. I was the musical theater kid. My father and I were doing Gypsy. I did all the Ethel Merman parts. He did all the secondary roles. And Flower Drum Song, honey. Don't bring up any one of those musicals. I will perform it all for you. (laughs) So, (laughs) Well, and I'm so glad you got that because there were so many boys like you who didn't,
5: who had to do, who not even had to do football, but how to get their asses kicked,
0: excuse me, mm-hmm. you know,
5: mm-hmm. doing intense, being masculine to be
2: loved.
3: To oh, my God. And I'm just, just right. to be
2: accepted or just to blend <laughs> in, just to not, right. not even to want to be popular. Just let me blend in on the bus. Don't anybody say shit to me. Let me so just come and sit. To... Stay from violence. Yeah. Yes. Safe from yeah. yeah. Oh, God, Scott. Oh, that's why Jasper said we could talk to you for three hours. I can't wait until one day when we can meet in person, because first of all, it would be lovely to act with you. But just to talk about all these different things, because they, it's like there's it's so complex and I didn't realize it was so complex. Like when you just asked me now if I'm trans. No, I'm not trans. Well, a viewer could be listening going, well, how come he's not trans? It's the way our makeup is. Like the you way said, you like, were. Like,
1: this is the way you were born.
2: It's just yeah, the way we're hardwired. It's like well,
5: I'm or you're like Jasper's like the most masculine dude on the planet, right? Like
1: well, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, thank you. I mean, I mean, I I kind of look that way, but you know, uh, but you're right. No, I was going to make that point. It's like within our LGBTQULMP. No, I'm kidding. With within our community, you know, there's. There's there's got to be room for all the diversity of all of us, right? I mean, you know, it's it, it, we have to all sort of support. There's masculine gay guys. There's butch lesbians. But, you know, we all know the very effeminate, like I had a really effeminate uh, straight uncle and he's not gay. He just Even though everyone wanted to make him gay, he's like not not gay at all. And so
2: I I think what's
1: happening, thankfully, is we're trying little baby steps in our world of, you know, sometimes prejudice within our own subculture can be the worst, right? So we're, we're just trying to make space that everybody can be diverse within a minority, I guess, you know. I mean 100%. Scott you you probably find that with even like you said even with when when lesbians were against you you know it's like you, the trans community is kind of where I feel like where the gay community was maybe in the 70s you know it's like it, it, we you guys are everyone's making progress but yeah. I feel like it's baby well, steps
0: yeah,
5: you're, you're actually really spot on with that. At GLAAD, uh, Nick Adams, who's the director of transgender representation at GLAAD, he, he's, and he's just been, I mean, he's been doing this for like 30 years, doing that mm-hmm. job. for. You know what I mean? Can you imagine?
0: Right. Um,
5: and, and what he says is trans politics are and trans representation is 20 years behind gay and lesbian. So we're right. like in our Ellen right now,
3: right, mm-hmm. our like Ellen's
5: a race moment. And think about how far y'all have come in that amount of time. So right. the idea that we have to wait another 20 years to together, it just kills me. And, you know, we lose. This is the thing that bothers me the most. So when I was 16, I came out as a lesbian because, as I said, I, I thought that was the only option I had.
3: Right, um, right.
5: It took me until I was 20 to understand that gender identity and sexual orientation are separate things mm-hmm. and that I'm actually kind of more of a sort of straight guy right but we'll talk about that more in a minute uh but uh, when, <laughs> I, when I transitioned right I so so from 16 to 20 I, I really sort of really socially transitioned into in like 2002 so 16 to 22 right
2: mm-hmm. I'm
5: okay. fully in the LGBTQ community I'm going to a gay youth group I'm going, you know, I'm hanging out at, at queer bars. Like, I'm doing all of these things. I'm very much in the LGBTQ community. You know, I'm raised by lesbians. It's, as a, you know, as a young adult, like, those are the people that are, that are helping me figure out who I am. Gay men are all around me. I'm so ensconced in this culture. And then I come out as trans, and everyone around me evaporates. And Ooh. just like when equality happened... Marriage. I was. I was pumping my fist. I was. I was waving my flag when marriage equality happened, and everybody got their right to marry and left trans rights behind. There's nobody showing right. up from the LGBTQ community for mm-hmm. us, right? That's right. And it is such. That's I mean, right. present company accepted, but like, right? Like, this is my pet peeve, and it's like we we don't all get free until we all get free, y'all. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and also you didn't. I mean, you you didn't have a lot of. Uh, I don't like the word role models, but you know, I mean, God bless Chaz Bono, right? I mean, I'm thinking of. I
5: came out before Chaz Bono did.
1: Well, see, I that's what I mean. Before. Like, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you. As, so, yeah. so really, as you know, here you are as a trans man, and there's not there wasn't a lot of other trans men that you could even sort of look look towards, right? To say. I mean, of course there were – I'm talking celebrity. That's not to negate all the wonderful trans men that aren't known, right, that were experiencing the same thing you were. But um, just in terms of, you know, like a celebrity kind of person, there was nobody high profile at that time. Right.
5: Right. And we have – 1999, we get Boys Don't Cry starring – Hilary Swank, who was a cisgender woman.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, and she did a great acting job. Like, as an actor, I can appreciate the beautiful job that she did. And, right, there was not a trans person. Nobody, the trans person didn't write it. A trans person didn't direct nope. it. A trans person wasn't anywhere near any of that.
0: And right.
5: and Brandon Tina gets raped and brutally murdered, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that was the only representation I had of what being a trans man meant, forever and so you know we've got my my um my one-man show that we're turning into this sort of multimedia extravaganza is happening at outfest actually it comes out on the 25th it goes live it's called the Man and 107 easy Steps. Um, i love it. And yeah and everything um, was great like it's glad that outfest isn't in person this year but it's amazing because it means you can just go to outfest.org and you can watch it so right. I'm so excited for all the like you know all the little trans boys and in some so, in
1: some ways more people will see it because of that right. right more more virtual now yeah that's amazing because I wanted you know people need to understand you you've created uh, these one how many one man shows are, has it been a continua like a like a, a one man show that's evolved over time or have you done various completely different one-man shows.
5: So actually both. Um, so my, you know, so think about it. I want, all I want to be with an actor, right? Right. And when I graduated from college and I went to an acting program, I got straight A's in my acting program. And they were actually like really great there because I couldn't get a lead role because they were doing very traditional theater where I needed to be an ingenue. Right. Mm. And I was mm-hmm. not that at all. Right. right. So, I wrote my first one man show as my honors thesis in college and my theater program gave me a production of it so that I could have the experience of a lead role, which was, I mean, we're talking, right. A long time ago before anybody's talking about any of this stuff, like they just knew that it wasn't fair that I couldn't get a role. Right. Right. That it was a reason totally unfair and not to do with my talent. And they, and they bet on me, which was amazing. And I toured that show for nine years um, mm. I had, did a second show called Debbie Tom Balls, which is about my life in the south and Debbie Tom culture and that whole thing and coming <laughs> out what they call it actually right Whole different kind of coming out right they do that um and then in 2006 I got a commission from the National Performance Network which is an amazing organization and they um It was actually the first, like, trans-themed work that they put money behind, right? And this is, like, National Endowment for the Arts money. Like, this is serious. Wow. Right? And and I figured, so it's, like, 2006, and I'm like, okay, look, if I'm only ever going to be able to act as myself in my own work, because at that time that was the only possibility that was feasible, right, Mm -hmm. to me, I'm going to make a show that I can do forever.
0: So right. the
5: idea, right, of 127 easy steps. So it was like, I'm going to make 127 plays, like like short little performance pieces. And the audience is going to call out numbers between 1 and 127, right? And, uh, you, and, like, we would get maybe six or eight stories in a night. And then you oh, have to wow. keep coming back wanted to watch them, but there weren't ever 127 stories because I wanted it to be something I could do forever. Right. So Ah. I, you know, I kind of would, I would, I would go to the nearest one to whatever number they called out. Right. Right. Uh, And so for Outfest, the way that we, that we did this, we wanted to make a movie and uh, Andrea James, who's an amazing trans director and she's been, I stand on her shoulders. She was uh, Felicity Huffman's acting coach for Trans oh, America,
0: Trans-America. okay, there. right,
5: okay, right. So they brought Andrea in to work with her. So Andrea, um, she also directed Alec Mappas, um, uh, sorry Alec Mappas' uh, uh, one-man show, Baby Daddy, that was on. Yeah,
1: Alec. Alec is a good friend of ours and friend of the show. He's amazing.
5: Isn't he amazing? So yeah, she, she directed his one-man show. So she came to me and said, do "You want to make a one-man show?" I said, "Yeah," and um, but we were like, "How do we translate this?" you know, 127 steps, it would be like a five-hour movie if we were going <laughs> right. to, you know, write and make them all, so I was like, well, let's do this, let's only film the ones that really need to be told as films, right, and then right. the ones that you need to, like, hear, right, let's do those as, like, podcasts, like, you know, because, you know, some, some stories are better told if you listen to them,
0: right, right. you don't
5: sure. Right, so we do those podcast episodes, and then there's a bunch that are just really great to read. Right, they—that's they, some of them are poetry, some of them are are like short stories. Right, so it's like a multimedia, and we can't actually call it choose your own adventure because that's a trademark phrase. So we're calling it pick your path. Right, oh. so if you go to us, right uh, online, and because it's online, this can happen. You'll click, and you can click any number that you want. We're, we're only we're only showing twenty seven of them. So there's a hundred more out there, but we're, we're premiering with twenty seven of them. Um, you click on any number that you want in whatever order you want to do it, and you'll either go to a film, uh, a podcast, or you'll download a PDF and read it.
1: <laughs> oh my God! This is brilliant. This is genius. So, uh, I mean. <laughs> this is so amazing. Now, is that available starting now, or what is the available date that people can actually? So,
5: yeah, we go live on Wednesday the 25th. 25th,
1: and, got it.
5: Yeah, and it's only up for 72
2: hours.
1: Okay. Well, Ralph so and I time. are, are – I know that Ralph and I are <laughs> – I'm writing them down immediately. I'm writing it
2: down now because I, don't, I cannot miss this. Already I know I'm picking number eight first because eight is my favorite number. And
0: eight oh is such God. a big story. Well, you're going to love it. Oh, my God. Oh, oh great. This
1: is so funny. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. This, this is, is so exciting. You are I mean, fierce. Yes. Well, let me, let me just say because – oh, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
5: Well, story 108 is, I think it might be my absolute favorite. It's a podcast story about the time when I truly accidentally ended up in naked gay men's yoga.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, haven't we all at some point, but yeah. <laughs> oh my oh God. God, Scott, no you...
2: Scott, you, Scott, <laughs> you, hashtag happened... awkward, Um, you, you know how to be enticing and alluring that's for damn sure.
1: (laughs) But listen, let me, let me just jump around a little bit. I want to ask you where, what did you, what was your first TV or film job? Like, how did you transition from your, you know, your stage career? What was your, I guess you want to say TV break or TV opportunity or film? Yeah.
5: Well, I mean, I've actually done like every performance, Thing you can do in television. I have been a clapper. Uh, awesome. I've been in the live studio. Audience. I'm often in the background on Judge Judy. I did that for a wow. long time, and that's still airing. Um, I've been an extra. I've been a featured extra. I've been a co-star, guest star. I've been an actual movie star. Like I literally had a leading role in a movie. That's amazing, right? So, um, but my big break in TV came on uh, The Bold and the
1: Beautiful back in okay. 2010. That's what I figured. But that's the first time I um, had become aware of you. And I would say, because I did not watch The Bold and Beautiful in particular, but my dear friend, our our former co-host, Dara um, Zane Scully, who is a mm-hmm. devoted Bold and Beautiful fan, she, I remember she called me one day and she's like, Jasper, I know you don't watch the show, but please just start, I think she said TiVo, the show, because there's an actor on there uh-huh and I want you to see him. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I did. And I was just, you and the wonderful uh, black actors who played your co-star on the show. Um, I, like I don't know her name. Story. Yeah. The storyline like story. and everything. It, 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 and here's the thing. It's like, you're just an amazing actor. I mean, it's, it's wonderful that you're trans also. And to me, that's, Amazing, and you're helping so many people. But I don't want to get people to get lost in this discussion that you're a really terrific actor. You know, I mean, that you're gifted as Thanks. an actor, and then it's just so it's just amazing that God has given us you to also help educate people and and bring us all together and to help the trans community. But you're you're really skilled as an actor, and um I just thought you that was such an amazing part for you. And and as we know, that opened other doors um, for TV. Now, and I forgot to, what Sean told us. I don't think Sean worked with you on the Bold and Beautiful, right? Did he tell us I think you guys didn't actually meet on Bold and Beautiful?
5: I, I don't think. We had like a wedding scene. We had a wedding okay. scene and we had a a fashion show scene. And those are the scenes where everybody comes together. So I think that's how we actually met, but we didn't have any scenes together.
1: Right. Cause I, I just, I made the mistake of like naturally assuming, you know, of course that, you know, he had worked with you, all these scenes on, on bold, but he was so c- quick on our show to make sure people understood that, you know, the, the, your part on studio city is, is all you. And I mean, that's – so let me ask you, going forward, obviously, I mean, as actors, we just – we all hate that question of, like, well, you know, what's your game plan or, you know, what do you see? I I know you want to just continue to work, but um, do you love the the medium of television? Do you love doing the episodics and the steady TV work?
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, I would love love to just – you know, uh, who doesn't want a series regular role to be able to really – Back to Over and over again, I got to shoot um, a feature film in Amsterdam uh, a couple of years ago, and that was my like movie, my first like movie star role. Um, and unfortunately, it doesn't have uh, distribution in the United States. It has gone. I've got like great reviews in languages I don't even recognize. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? It's, still right. worldwide. it's a worldwide movie called The Conductor. Uh, but, okay. Like you can't watch. It's, it's so annoying. But um, you know. I loved making the film because it was so slow. Like I got mm-hmm. to really, I showed up cause I was used, I was on like soap opera time. Right. And so I'm thinking, right. oh, I'm just going to like one and done, just get this take done. And she was like, why are you being so fast? My director, Maria Peters was like, why are you being so so fast? Like take your time. This is
1: art. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And you're like, All wait, right, you're That's like, funny. what? Right, this honey, is what? Lunchtime, right? honey. I don't know if i
1: tell, Ted Bradley. tell Brad, Ted Bradley Bell that, right? <laughs> like, right? Yeah. I know, right? Can, like, you, can you imagine on the of Beautiful, you're like, um, I'd like to do another take. I'm not feeling the artistic I, okay. quality of this. And they're like, <laughs> uh, bitch, move, please.
5: They're like, we're <laughs> done. You know, like, you're one and done. Go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I, you're right. Like I mean, as actors, we just really want to act. But I love film um, and I love TV too. So I don't. I don't care. I just want to do right. it. You know. Right. And you know, I I got my first. I can't tell you what it is, unfortunately. But I had my first role. I shot it just what it was just like a couple weeks ago with the whole COVID thing and everything. Like we it got cleared by the union. <gasps> oh, you thing. did it. Okay. Whole other thing. But I get to play a cisgender man. So, well that was okay, exactly. that was
1: my question I was going to ask you like uh, how amazing when you're playing, you know, the leading guy, when you're playing yeah. the 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 love interest, you know what I mean, the 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 main guy in the couple. You know what I mean? You're just playing yep. the guy. How was how was that? I'm sure it was amazing.
5: It was it was really it was really something else and it's going to be really interesting when it when it airs, it's going to be. Um, I'm excited for the conversation that's going to come up because mm. it is time. I, I'm I'm always happy to play trans roles, and there sure. are a lot of trans roles I would love to play. But um, you know, if we if if cis people are going to say like, oh well, can't we all just be actors? Until transgender actors can just be actors, then no. So it that's seems right. like it's the first step toward getting us to that place.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and again, I go back to I I I did a I had a part on American Horror Story and Chaz Bono, um, again like oh, you got yeah. to do, he was he was playing the bad guy you know he plays bad guys yeah. he plays the the heavy tough and when I say heavy I, I mean not his weight but you know he plays the the tough right. guy in the so show heavy. yeah and yeah. we were we were having that discussion with same discussion was you know he was just like fuck it's just so great that I'm just playing this badass dude you know that's so it's so funny because um in some ways Scott you guys are talking about me having this tough guy image you know I'm never cast to play a gay character it just never happens and so I just I'm about to go shoot something next week where I was saying to Ralph oh it's so funny I just realized that this character has a partner in the in the movie so it's it's kind of like you know the thing that I'm the closest to it in my life I never really get to play, you know. So right. it's it's I but can I know you probably can't tell us what you just shot, but god when it when it's going to come out, I'd love for you to to come back and let us know about it so we can sure promote it for you. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah, no, well,
2: and you answered our question because we've been asking actors this now what is your opinion about going to work during COVID, but you've already done it. How was that experience?
5: It was wild. It was really something. We, I mean, the precautions that they took,
0: there's Mm -hmm. literally
5: like a job now where, I, I don't know if it's like a grip job, but like there was a person standing with a six foot long stick, kind of moving through the set and making sure that every single crew person, everybody was six feet apart. And we had everybody like I had to wear an n ninety five mask and then the the plastic cover your whole face 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 shield mm-hmm. right um until I got into hair and makeup, and everyone around me was constant was just an n ninety five plus face shield I mean they were just i they did it so they were so careful about it, and I had to get tested like three times it was so I got tested a week before the day before and the day of it was so careful and then somebody got a false positive so for mm-hmm. a week everybody thought been exposed and thankfully we weren't but it was just a false positive so i mean it was it was really uh it was something but i was still yeah, what
1: was this was this for tv or film was it yeah uh, tv Okay, um, so because I know Ralph is, is thinking that so I can read Ralph's mind. So when you yeah. say you got <laughs> – Ralph and I are both very binary, so we, we're trying not to be so black and white, but like when you said you got tested, so was it the rapid, like the 15-minute rapid test where it's just the blood test, or did they do the nasal or the mouth? It swab was the, it was the um, okay.
5: one, one was the nasal, and then two were the mouth.
1: Okay, got it. Wow, yeah. and and uh, well, because I'm like I said, I'm going. I'm supposed to start Monday on a uh, a film, and it, it, it's a studio picture. So I'm kind of like you. I'm kind of, you know, I've heard about the Zone A and Zone B and Zone C, right. and um, you. So you're kind of sequestered in your trailer or dressing area until until you were called to the set.
5: Yep, I was in. I was in the trailer. They brought me lunch in the trailer. Um, I craft services was like behind a, a plexiglass thing, and the person, like the actual chef, was like, I, it was kind of embarrassing because I wanted all this food. <laughs> and they made me just like, <laughs> they put it in a box, and I had to walk through everybody with this like huge mound of food to my trailer. <laughs> oh my <laughs>
1: God.
5: I was <laughs> like, remember, I would just go up and sneak it away. Like,
1: visit, uh, visit God. It. <laughs> so, so, Ralph, I don't know if you will be bringing, Ralph can't bring his Tupperware and load up on the leftovers and the craft service anymore
2: <laughs> oh god scott oh, that is so funny oh well <clears throat> well good i'm glad it was all successful and they took such careful precautions yeah uh, i mean hair and
5: makeup the unions are taking this so seriously because it's people's health and that's what the unions exist to protect right i mean one right, of the big right. things right now, like the hair and makeup people had basically a surgical field like it was like anything I've touched goes on this tray, and I don't touch it again. And like I mean, it was like I could they could perform open heart surgery mm. in makeup.
1: Wow. Well, that's what I heard. A friend, a friend of mine who worked <laughs> in the studio said, "Jasper, it's almost think of the set as like an operating room." He goes, "You know, the the nurses and the doctors are the crew, and the actors are like the patients that are." being kept away. And, you know, and he said, I mean, in some ways he goes, I, it's much safer than going to, you know, Ralph's to go grocery shopping. I mean, it's so well managed. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: I tell you what though,
5: I don't know how much we've been wearing masks, but we, you know, we, we're like very socially isolating. We're wearing masks Mm -hmm. even to like the laundry room. Like we're, we're, we're like a, you know, we're like that. And to be for, Six and a half hours on set with, even when I was in my trailer, but like to not have a mask on, I yeah. started to get kind of panicky mm-hmm. I, I, it's it does kind of do a psychological number on you to think the mask protects me and now I don't have the mask on, mm-hmm.
1: so right, a, right, a because out. you take it off once you get in place. I like mean, that. on your in your scene or whatever, yeah. Wow. Well, gosh, Scott, we could talk to you for three hours. I just can't thank you enough for giving us this time. And, um, I feel like, I feel like we've known you forever. I, I I find that you and I will start getting more Southern the longer we talk to each other. Our accents are going to get (laughs) stronger. (laughs) Ralph's probably thinking, wait, who, who who am I listening to now? (laughs) Um, But congrats on everything. I mean, we're both going to be on the 25th, uh, Going on to Outfest, OutFest to to watch this new multimedia amazing thing you've created, we're we're all fingers crossed for you know a new episode of a, a new season. I mean of Studio City, fingers crossed oh, for that. Too.
0: Too. And um,
1: everyone can follow us. It's very easy. Everything is at Turner Schofield. And um, is there any other site or any other place that? people can reach out to you or anything in with your uh, ah. trans advocacy that you want to direct people to?
5: Sure. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, well, for becoming a man, uh, for becoming a man in 127 easy steps uh, you can follow that on Instagram and it's the whole title written out, all one word, becoming a man in 100, in one, two, seven easy steps <laughs> Great. Uh, on Facebook. It's just one, two, seven steps. Um, and then my advocacy, uh, you can check out my website, which is speakingoftransgender.com. And uh, I, I'm on social media speaking of transgender as well. Although I will say, um, recently, you know, it's it, this is I've been doing this work for a very long time. And, you know, with everything else that's going on, uh, it's I'm not doing as much with the speaking of transgender right now. It's kind of the first thing that goes away. Uh, I'm grateful that I have a lot of acting work and and entertainment work that I can do. But uh, it doesn't mean that we stop doing the work. It just means, you know, people are thinking about a lot of things right now. And, you know, the thing that I think about with both with the pandemic and with Black Lives Matter is, you know, when we're talking about Black Lives Matter, we do mean, and and those activists will tell you, all Black Lives Matter, including family. And when we're talking about the pandemic, we're talking about all of us. It doesn't matter. The pandemic isn't transphobic or homophobic or racist, right? Like, we're talking about all of us. And so I'm really hopeful that my work as an advocate, you know, I might not have so much to do now that more people are thinking about all of us
1: Mm -hmm. so
5: much justly,
1: you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, That'll we've help. got a big a big election coming up in November and hopefully we can oh. get um an administration that actually, you know, wants to support trans rights rather than cut benefits and cut funding to, you know, hurt them. So, um well, listen, I again, thank you so much. Oh, how's married life? I we didn't even talk about uh, that, but everything I love, Yeah.
5: I, I love being married. It's it's um I'm very grateful. My partner is amazing. Uh, she's in. She was actually the first YouTube star, so you can look her up. Her name's Tara Naomi, um, T E R R A, me. Oh. Uh, and she was the first musician to have like a viral hit that got her a record deal.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> oh my God! We need to have we need to have her on the show. I mean, I uh, saw you guys yeah. interviewed at the uh, at the uh, Emmys red carpet. Uh, you're such a g- gorgeous couple together. Really. Stunning. Yeah. Well, well, Uh, listen. stay safe and, you know, best of luck to everything you're doing. And hopefully we can all, maybe we can work together. That would be even better, but at least
2: meet,
1: at least meet in person.
2: Yeah. I can't wait to meet you, Scott. You are wonderful. Thank you so much for today.
5: Well, back at you both. And thank you again. I was mortified that I missed you last time. So thank you uh, for having me on again and not just being like, screw him. Oh, I'm no, no,
1: please. <laughs> we're, we're, we're actors and we know what happens and anything for animals. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, and, you, yeah.
5: You'll appreciate it. Our dog's name is Harvey Milkbone. And thank oh, you. Oh,
0: right. <laughs>
1: well, give, give Harvey a big kiss from us and uh, stay safe. Have a good weekend right. coming up and we'll be in touch. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank Take God. care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank- Well, I'm going to have to say Ralph, and I don't like to pick favorites, but in 10 plus years of doing my show, I think Scott's my favorite guest.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, God, that's such a great compliment. He is fabulous. That was a wonderful interview, and I really am eager to meet him in person.
1: I know. I cannot wait to see this, uh, his 127 steps. I mean, this sounds like, what a brilliant idea. And like you said, I mean, hell, the pandemic, in some ways, couldn't have come at a better time because more people are going to see this and you know having to go to a movie theater to watch right it. right
2: exactly and become enlightened sooner than later
1: <laughs> exactly ralph we had a, an amazing show of advo- advocacy i can't say that word it's advocacy and and acting at the same time we got to cover it all Ab- tonight
2: yeah i mean two major issues that saturate our planet we talked about on the show you know so it's very real and there's lots of laughter and there's lots of sadness and so much red tape and frustration, but onward and upward, we keep going.
1: And, you know, in conclusion, every, you know, everybody's got a story. Everyone's had a journey, you know? And so every, just when you think, you know, someone's had it worse than the next person, just remember treat everyone with kindness and love because everybody, you don't, nobody knows what that person's going through. So um, on that note.
2: Let me just say, Jasper, without giving anything away, congratulations. Have a wonderful time shooting your first role during the pandemic. Congratulations. Oh, thank
1: you. And hopefully, yeah, I'll be, you know, next week I'll be, um, we can talk all about that. We can talk. I'll I'll be joining the the ranks of the, the the working during the pandemic crew. So I will be exactly yes. Yeah, that's something that needs to, to that. be
2: said because you're so self-effacing, you won't even mention it. But it's like Planet Earth or Janet if Jasper is working. So well, it this was, is not, I'll be honest.
1: It was great to hear Scott's you know story that he went back on a television show. So that's even you know that's exciting. So it was good yes, to hear it's that. Yes, with a six, six foot well.
3: stick. bitch, bitch, uh,
1: don't
2: come past this stick. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you know, Ralph, you know I'm going to be calling you and texting you and taking photos. So you'll be take getting photos, take behind photos the Take photos that stick,
2: it. God damn it. That shit is too much. When you were saying, yes, you need a strong COVID officer on the set. It's like, bitch, you come near the step. Ronnie told me the funniest joke of these two coworkers. It's not a joke. It's a scenario. And the one coworker says to the other one, God, I can smell alcohol through your mask. And so the other coworker says, Beth, you need to step the fuck back. This is a (laughs) pandemic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Beth was way too close in his face for that (laughs) one.
0: Well, well, either that
1: or that he's just a complete alcoholic.
0: It's it's, Uh it's smelling.
1: (laughs) <laughs> and, and on that note, everybody, we will okay. see you next Thursday, everyone. Ralph, take care. Much love. You too, take Jasper. Care. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out One on One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.